Welcome to Sky Talkers. Here are your hosts, Charlotte and Caitlin. Hello, and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host, Charlotte. Hey, everyone. I am your other host, Caitlin, and welcome to our second Resistance Review, where we are talking about the second episode, The Triple Dark. The Triple Dark. The triple, I want to say just Triple Dark, but it's The Triple Dark. I think uh, it's such a cool name. I, think I love I, it. Yeah, it's so <laughs> ominous. Yes, very ominous. Mm-hmm. So this episode aired on October 24th. It was directed by Sergio Pais. I would say Pais. Pais, Sergio mm-hmm. Pais. And it was written by Kevin Burke and Chris Wyatt. And this is a good episode. I, I Generally, I think it was a good episode. I think I liked the premiere better. Yeah, but the, the premiere is also forty minutes. It's it had a it, you got to do a lot in the premiere, so I don't think that's a bad for the second episode. Yeah, I think I watched this episode. So Caitlin and I both have like Xfinity on demand and Disney now, and we're able we were able to watch the first three episodes right at the premiere. So we're not really watching this in real time. Um, and I watched this episode immediately after the premiere, and I was a little like, oh, okay, here we go. Because honestly, not very much can be done in the second episode to like advance the story. Like nothing drastic is gonna happen in the second episode of like the beginning of a series. Mm-hmm. But I I watched it again recently, and I, I think it's a little great little episode. I really like the storm and everything. We'll get into all this. Um, but I genuinely think it was a pretty good episode. I was surprised when yeah. I revisited it that yeah. I liked it more. Yeah, it was definitely better the second time I watched it, which is true for all Star Wars, honestly. <laughs> yes. You know, I feel like that's like a theme that we're coming to. Is that going to be our new slogan? Watch it again, comma, Yeah, Star maybe. Wars. <laughs> Watch it again, comma, Star Wars. <laughs> Um, the cool thing about the director of this episode was he directed um, some really awesome Rebels episodes as well, like the finale, Doom, and Kindred. So, like, um, the greatest episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not World Between Worlds, but still, like, well, a really good episode. I mean, World Between Worlds is in, like, its own league, honestly. Yes. It's up right. there with, like, the Ahsoka Leaves series arc, honestly, up there, like, with some of the best film moments. So, at least exactly. in my book. Yeah, and I think the finale is up there. I, the finale of Rebels is like amazing, and mm-hmm. the fact that he also directed it was it's great. Yeah. So good to pr- see that they're bringing in their like top directors. Welcome back, Sergio. Exactly. Glad to have you. Exactly. So should we dive right into it? Yeah, let's. So in part one, we're going to do our highs and lows. Part two is going to be story, and in part three, we're going to talk about characters. So without further ado, let's get started. So who talks first? You talk first? I talk first? All right. Welcome to part one, where, as we did with our Rebels recaps, Fulcrum Files, we are going to be talking about our two highs and one low of each episode of Resistance. So, Charlotte, why don't you start with your first high? Okay. (laughs) My first (laughs) high is, I think, BB-8 is the cutest thing ever, and I just will never tire of him rolling around and being adorable, and he's great. I just love him. And that's my high because anytime BB-8 is there, you know you can count on him to casually save the day. He's not like R2 where he's kind of snarky. Like BB-8 is just like so loving and adorable and amazing. Yeah. 
that's my high. <laughs> yeah, I really like that we got a lot more BB-8 action in this episode. What I found myself thinking about is like the relative size of BB-8 to like other characters because <laughs> particularly when um, – I think it was toward the end end of the episode when Kaz grabs BB-8 and he he seems like so much smaller than what we see in The Force Awakens when BB-8 falls on top of Finn in The Falcon. Mm-hmm. Like BB-8 just seems like massive. <laughs> well, I remember that being a thing. Like in um, Forces of Destiny, there's a shot of Rey like casually picking up um, BB-8 and people were like, wait, doesn't he weigh like 200 pounds? Right. Because, <laughs> because the way he fell on Finn, Finn yeah. was like, oh, my God. Oh, yeah. I think it's the way funny. Resistance has him is like somewhere in between that. Yeah. <laughs> Where he weighs like nothing and he weighs something. He weighs like average amount. What he, you weigh, think. Like, he weighs whatever the story calls for. <laughs> exactly. I would assume that BB-8 weighs like 25 to 30 pounds, like a small dog. I would say like 70, honestly. Okay. I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I would say I would say like a medium sized dog. Yeah, yeah. Okay, fair because he is like bulky. He's a bulky. He's bulky. Dude. Yeah, he's got. I'm <laughs> like he's got a lot of gears and gadgets inside that that um you know sphere. Ball. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'm gonna go with like seventy to seventy eight pounds. All right, fair. Give or take. Fair. <laughs> okay, what was your first high? My first high was the animation of the Triple Dark Storm in this episode. I thought it was so great. I love seeing this kind of like crazy weather. I think the Lucasfilm animation does so well. And I thought this episode really delivered, like how it was very dark, um, kind of the whole episode leading up to this big storm, seeing the rain come down. I don't remember seeing a lot of rain in Rebels. Um, so it was good to see it here. I really liked all the clouds. I love, I've been loving the landscapes around the Colossus of the ocean and the sky. I think they've looked gorgeous in every episode so far. And too, with the water in this episode, when like the aces are flying, you can see those like big rolling waves going through the ocean, um, as you would like in a really, you know, like high stakes you know, water movie. <laughs> um, but it was it, it definitely had some Camino vibes, which I really enjoyed. Yes. You know, I couldn't put my finger on it, but you're so right. It does have some Camino vibes. Mm-hmm. A lot of Camino vibes. I, you know, I have to agree with you. My second high was the fact that it was like, I liked the action-packed part of this episode, and I thought the animation design was so beautiful. I think one of my favorite shots was when um, one of the ships crashes into the water, mm-hmm. and you get this almost slow build of a wave crashing up, and it was beautiful because it fits the style of the animation so well. Like, it wasn't too realistic, And I appreciate that because we're watching a cartoon and I like to be reminded of that sometimes. Like, Mm -hmm. I I don't know. I thought it was just gorgeous. And yeah, yeah, that was definitely my second high too. Mm -hmm. My second high was a Niku moment. Um, (laughs) We didn't get to see a ton of Niku in this episode, but I really loved when him and Kaz were working on the ship for the first time. And I forget what the tool is, but Niku asks Kaz for, you know, the – you know, can you hand me the wrench? And and Kaz hands him the wrong thing and, and Niku gets like zapped or electrocuted. And Niku's <laughs> like, um, this is not the wrench I was asking for. If you could please hand me the wrench and not this non-wrench that you just handed me. <laughs> and I thought it was really funny. <laughs> I love him. That was really so funny. So much. <laughs> also, I find it – I've gotten – the most backlash I've ever received on this show is for <laughs> – 
speculating that Niku could be the spy for the First Order. (laughs) So ironic. (laughs) So ironic, right? Everyone's like, that's completely wrong, Caitlin. I feel personally attacked. (laughs) I've never received this much hate in my life, guys. Um, I'm just kidding. Uh, Uh, You totally have. (laughs) I I totally definitely have received worse comments before. Um, But this is funny. This is like the theory that has most people riled up, I think, in a long time from our show. (laughs) Uh, I still like the theory, guys. I still like it. Um, Do I think it's entirely plausible? No, but the series is still young, folks. The series is still young. So let's check in in a little bit. And I don't have that information in Young Thug. <laughs> All right, Siri. Siri makes an appearance in Sky Talker. <laughs> that's Young Thug. I don't think that's a coincidence that we're talking about Niku. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> she doesn't have any information on Young Thug yet. <laughs> Just wait. <laughs> I just want to reiterate that I don't agree with this Nico theory, <laughs> even though I do find it intriguing that there's someone that, like, on the surface seems fine, but, you know, could be evil. I like it, but I don't support it. You can't like it and not support it. What happens? If, what happens if it happens? What What happens if it happens? Well, I, 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 mm. I, mm. <laughs> I think that they would execute whatever happens beautifully so i'd probably support it (laughs) okay great just so we have that all right what was your low um i think the episode was a little bit of a slow build for me i think that this episode served to do a couple things and we'll get into that in our story section but i i think obviously what was the most exciting part was the ending of the episode and it felt a little I don't know, like a kind of a long slog to get to that like high point, that climax. Um, I also kind of found myself annoyed that everyone around Kaz wasn't offering him mechanics lessons. <laughs> like he's not a mechanic and Eager knows that. And I feel like maybe they should just like throw a manual at him or give him <laughs> some help. Like he's not going to learn this overnight and he clearly doesn't know what he's doing. So yeah. that those are those that's my low. Well, I think the other people expect him I think like Tam thinks he's a mechanic because he tries to tell her that he went to mechanic school. But yeah. Yeager knows he's not. You're right. And it's like I, like why haven't we gotten a montage of Yeager being like you've got to work extra shifts in order for me to teach you how to do this. Right. You know like that kind of <laughs> montage. Um because yeah, he's not a mechanic. Um But yeah, this episode felt kind of choppy to me. It felt really cut in half. Like the first half of the episode was uh, Kaz being a mechanic and that whole trophy situation and the thugs. And then part two, the second half, was the pirate situation. It it was almost like perfectly at the 11-minute mark that we switched over to the pirate storyline. So it felt a little choppy for me in that vein. Um, And we still need uh, proper introductions to all of the aces. Like Kaz hasn't personally met all of them yet too, which I find a little strange. Not strange. Maybe I guess I just – Their introductions are coming. They have to be a little patient. Now now we're, you know, now we're over – we're an hour into the show and yeah. we haven't met them yet. But we got to see them fight, like fly, which which is cool. I don't know. I'm just – I'm ready to meet them. 
Yeah. I, I'm with you. I'm ready to go to Doza Tower. Yes. So, very ready for yeah. Doza Tower. But again, I want to see the clean hallways. Again, like it's hard because that's like, that's more our impatience yeah. about storytelling exactly. rather than a low. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. For me, yeah. I think that the real low of the episode is the the pacing of the episode itself, I don't think was entirely there. Mm-hmm. Um, a personal low, that's not really the fault. Not the fault isn't the right word, but. Yeah, you're right. My our, our impatience to see the rest of the characters. Yeah, exactly. Okay, let's talk about the story. Okay, so welcome to part two. In this part, we always break down the story. Um, and we're going to ask, what is the state of the resistance in this episode? Still very secretive. I mean, we have that great line from Jaeger about, you know, the average person doesn't even know about the resistance, which is crazy. But we're six months out from the Force Awakens and the average person doesn't know about the resistance. That like brings apart so many questions to me. Like, okay, so in the last episode, we learned that the resistance and I think, I, you know, I, I can't really remember at this point, but I think they said the resistance was extremist. Yes. And I, it's funny because I'm like, oh, I would have thought that the First Order was more extremist, but I guess they're both kind of seen as extremists. And even then, most people don't aren't even really concerned about the resistance and they don't even really know about it. And I think that's because it's like, like you said, like secretive and really undercover. And it is crazy that it's only six months until The Force Awakens, but I guess a lot can happen in six months and I guess we're going to see that unfold. Um, I reckon I, we will. <laughs> I I I find the whole idea of the resistance being extremists really really fascinating because you th- when you say extremists like you think of in Star Wars you think of like Saw Gerrera I think is the best example right mm-hmm. where you can look at Saw Gerrera and be like wow you took sacrifices um, for the rebellion that sometimes did not have the right endpoint or weren't really as justified as the rest of the rebellion. But in some situations you look at Saw and you're like, wow, like that needed, that was the quickest way to get something done. And, you know, there's like this, this debate that rages about Saw Gerrera, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that like, in a way we can look probably at the resistance in the same way. And I find that really interesting because in The Force Awakens, we see the resistance as the, the like, I know this isn't a word, but the goodest good guy, you know? Mm -hmm. And are we about to peel back that layer a little bit? And I find that really fascinating in terms of, like, what is ahead for story. Yeah, I do too because really when you think about it in The Force Awakens, we don't really know how the rest of the galaxy feels about the Resistance. Well, I mean, that's not true because Rey says at the beginning, right, like, you're with the Resistance. Mm -hmm. So, like, even she's heard about them at this point at the start of The Force Awakens – um, but what has she heard? Is is it good or is it bad? Like is someone like Unkar Plot talking, you know, back talking about the resistance, but then you have a character like Ray who's like, no, obviously like they're the good guys. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. and whereas like Unkar Plot sees them as the problem, Ray sees them as like an opportunity and like freedom fighters and like they're inspiring her. Um, kind of like what Rose does in uh, Canto Bite with the kid where she's like, yeah, we're with the resistance. So like how does that change? I guess I guess what changes 
What I would say probably changes is that people find out what the First Order has been doing because I bet the First Order is just like a – they've got, you know, like their puppet heads in place right now who are making nice with the the rest of like the Hosnian Prime people right now. But they've secretly got like people like Phasma going out and doing all of this bad stuff and then soon that's going to come to light. Exactly. Like what's going to happen? Something is going to have to happen with the First Order, something drastic, something violent, where the rest of the galaxy is at least like a part of the galaxy is going to have to wake up to realize, okay, how are we going to stop this? And then a story will arise about the resistance that has formed, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And that will be the touch point of all these people in the galaxy understanding who they are and what this conflict is and you know i've heard a lot of people talk about how and i think i said this too in our last episode how the resistance operates at a really it's it's a really good show because there's no conflict going on in the galaxy and i i kind of want to push back on that thought a little bit as time has gone by because there is this like underlying conflict and we've seen this happen through bloodline right where um and I think it, I, I haven't read Aftermath, and I, I really should. I've skimmed it. I, I haven't. But I know that there's, you know, there is this political conflict that's happening with Mon Mothma and, you know, the Imperial Loyalists. And conflict is a weird word because I think that <laughs> there is a conflict going on right now, and we, we will see that happen. I think that because Kaz is an undercover spy and therefore far removed from the politics of it, I definitely see with the the fact that this episode ended with Phasma, um, more of this, like, central conflict really coming into play. Mm-hmm. Well, everything is brewing right now. Yes. Like, we're, yes. we're right – like, if like if Star Wars politics were a pot of boiling water, we're just now seeing the bubbles start to form. Like, we're right before the <laughs> simmer. And then Force Awakens is when you put the pasta in it. <laughs> And it's just like boiling. It's cooking. And then, okay, okay, okay. and then the last Jedi is when the pasta is cooking, and you have to strain it, and you've got all the steam, and like you're a little overwhelmed by the steam yeah. amount of steam, and you're like putting on like the gloves yeah. to like, handle. Yeah, the pot you're like, wow, this is like hotter tough. than I thought it was going to be, and you're like, oh right, yeah. I need gloves for this pot, and you always forget darker middle chapter, and then you steam it, you you strain it, and then episode nine is when you finally get to eat the spaghetti. Yes, and even though the spaghetti will be like hot in the beginning, it'll mm-hmm. end all good yeah. because you're just like it'll happy. be like perfect room temperature. <laughs> wow, we really brought that through. I'm so happy with the food metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here for these food metaphors. That's <laughs> <laughs> all I could think of is Forrest Gump. You know, like life is like a box of chocolates. Star Wars is like a pot of boiling water. <laughs> the sequel trilogy like- is like a pot of boiling water. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So everything is we're 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 at simmering stage right now. We're like <laughs> okay. So we're actually we're like just before simmering. We're like seconds before simmering. <laughs> if we want to be super precise, like because water boils at two hundred and twelve degrees, right? So I would say we're at like hundred and ninety degrees right now. Yeah, the, but we're really cooking up there. Yeah, like we're getting close. like every episode is like you know like one ninety one. Mm-hmm. I would say totally. I would say the premiere episode is like one eighty nine. And then mm-hmm. this episode is 190, and, and we're moving up. Yes. Wow. Great. <laughs> okay. So I think this episode served a purpose to kind of – the audience went into this episode being like, okay, so like what's Kaz's spy mission going to look like? And I think 
the this episode answered that question where it was well there's gonna be no it, it totally did because it's like there's going to be i think that we're probably going to get these smaller segmented you know animation friendly obstacles that kaz is going to have to overcome in order for us to get even closer to him infiltrating and being like the best spy he possibly can be or in this episode we saw him deal with pirates and help out because he is the good guy um And I think we're going to see like smaller pieces like that kind of unfold possibly until the season finale. Mm -hmm. I just kind of feel bad for Kaz. And and we talked about this in the last episode um, about, you know, like the the state of the resistance is that they're undercover and they're desperate. And Poe, you know, sees something, quote unquote, in Kaz and just like sends him – is like, find the First Order spy. And that's literally it. <laughs> and just like with the mechanic stuff, Kaz has no idea what he's doing. And with the spying stuff, he has no idea what he's doing. And Poe is MIA and not there. And so you just have Kaz like literally like just kind of walking around looking at people and, and getting caught so easily. You know what I mean? And he doesn't know what he's doing. So he has to do a lot of maturing both as a mechanic and as a spy. But I think you're right that we'll just kind of see these smaller adventures that he can kind of solve within the 22 minutes going on. And then hopefully we'll be laying more and more groundwork, groundwork, groundwork. We'll we'll be laying more and more groundwork for this bigger picture of what's going on. That will be the pot of Star Wars boiling water simmering. That's going to be the the, once when once we hit 212, that's 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 Kaz is doing, I think, or like he'll be a part of that. Yes. He's turning the heat up. So let's talk about the pirate conflict. I find it interesting how we're seeing these pirates and marauders coming off of Solo so recently in May. Because what we learned in Solo were that the pirates were like doing good, essentially, right? Even though... Maybe you can look at the pirates, uh, like the Cloud Riders and Emphis Nest as extremists as well, going back to our previous conversation. Um, But here we have the pirates clearly doing evil and like being awful. Mm -hmm. What were they trying to steal? That wasn't really that clear to me. Was it hyperfuel? I think that they were targeting the hyperfuel to like turn the station off so that they then – because I think that's part of the triple dark is that – it's like you lose the light of the sky and like the electricity of like the power on the Colossus. And so then it's easier to rob them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's something – I think – so I don't think it was the hyperfuel they were stealing. I think they were trying to – like the the pilot, the aces were trying to protect the hyperfuel to like keep the station on, I think. I'm not Got 100%. It. That's what I think. So one of my theories is that there's something on the Colossus, either a person – like a Galen kind of person or some like a Kyber crystal or there's something hidden on the Colossus that they're trying to get. Um, yeah, that the, the, the First, First Order, Order is trying, trying to get. get. Yeah, and they're using the pirates to get it. And I bet Doza knows what it, what it is. Yeah, I bet he does too. Maybe it's in the Maybe tower. Maybe it's Jaegers. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't really think so about that. I think that – I mean, I agree with your theory. I think that there is definitely something more to the Colossus. Um, but – the reason why I asked if it was hyperfuel is because then it would be yeah, really a fam- familiar understanding in like a familiar mm. parallel to Solo where you have the good guys stealing the hyperfuel and then you have the bad guys stealing the yeah, hyperfuel. Yeah, like the coaxium. Yeah, exactly. 
I wonder if there is like a hidden Jedi temple on the Colossus. <laughs> oh God, please no! You just, I don't. I don't you really just want take that. That, that back set of stairs. <laughs> At the back of the closet and like, bam, there's the Jedi Temple. <laughs> bam. bam. Or there's like an Atlantis kind of situation where you can like well, go like, see, all the I way think down. That, <gasps> so see, I think that that's like more likely because you hear about, you know, the creatures that live in the water and everything. It's like, what's in the so water besides what, the creatures What is and the in the water? Yeah, and it's not. It wouldn't be unfamiliar to Star Wars to go underwater and see like a city. That would be so fun like, to yeah. bring that back and like complete like a completely new culture, but it's underwater as well. Exactly, exactly. It's like the Mon Calamari, but a little different. I didn't like that arc in Clone Wars. I'll be honest. I think I've only watched it once. If I actually watched it completely through. Well, here's a chance for them to make something similar and you to yeah. like it. <laughs> here's your opportunity, Resistance. Give me a- you here? Yeah, you here? <laughs> Give me another underwater culture that I can actually get behind, please. <laughs> I think just to kind of wrap up our story section, I think in terms of what you said your low was, I think the weak point was that there wasn't like a through line of a story tone yeah. throughout. I think that it did feel like pretty segmented. And, you know, maybe that's okay. Maybe that isn't so bad because – most kids are just going to like in myself as well like are just going to binge this all the way through so maybe episodes i, I don't mm-hmm. know i think that there's maybe an argument for like maybe that's okay like it's world building but um yeah i think that that maybe was maybe. a downside I, think, I mean i think it was choppy i think they tried to keep it connected with the client that they were whose ship they were fixing and like keeping his like having his calm be the thing that Kaz used to like throw off the pirates. Um, I don't think it was as strong a connection as it probably could have been, but yeah, it, it did just mm-hmm. still feel a little choppy. So I hope that I hope that the next episodes are a little bit more connective. Yeah, the um the villain, just like to say an aside, the villain felt so cartoony yeah, to me. Yeah, he really did. Like, of course he was yeah, a bad guy. Pirate. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm looking forward to their them expanding that a little bit more, and so it's not so mm-hmm. on the nose. All right. Are we ready to move on to part three? Listen, Big deal. You got another problem. Women always figure out the truth. Always. All right, welcome to part three, where we're going to be talking about characters, and I really enjoyed Kaz in this episode. I thought he was funny. I thought he had a lot of good moments. He he had a hero moment with the trophy, which we'll talk about, Um, and we got to know a little bit more about his background, too, which I'm all about Kaz and his, like, upbringing, so uh, it was really interesting for me. Um, What did you think about Kaz in this episode? I loved it too. I was I I felt like he was really relatable to me in the fact that he like has his possessions and his mm-hmm. you know his lucky trophy and I think that we can all kind of think about something that we would consider lucky or like that one thing that we would bring with us if we were leaving home. Yeah. And I really liked that and it only got more complicated and interesting when you found out that that lucky thing was actually worth a lot of money. Yeah. And I definitely think that that's going to come back around for his character because at this point he is like basically afraid to ask his dad for money and he has this, you know, really valuable possession um, I think that he'll probably barter it away and it'll probably be like a really heartfelt moment because he's very attached to it. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I really enjoyed kind of learning about the trophy and everything that it entailed too. Um, the fact that that trophy could literally afford him months of of living on the Colossus mm-hmm. is pretty crazy and that everyone was like, whoa, <laughs> where did you – like?" It, and, and that it's very obvious that that is a wealthy person's possession. And it's – and it's a trophy too. It's not like something that he earned and bought. It was something that was just like given to him for for winning this race. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, he earned it. I mean, he. I mean, he earned it. But yeah. like, it's a trophy. It's not right. I don't know. It's. I, I think about all the trophies I've gotten in my life. They've been few and far between. But <laughs> um, <laughs> nothing that could like guarantee I could live for a couple months. <laughs> Right. Like pay my living expenses. Um, And obviously like the bartering system is very different in Star Wars than it is in the real world. But I thought that was really interesting. Um, I'm excited to see how Kaz's social status comes into play in this show. Like when certain people find out who he is because I'm sure he is a who – like with a capital W, you know, um, and how that status will come into play. Like, will there be a situation where they're spying and they end up spying on people that Kaz knows? And so he then like has to kind of go back into this bougie life that he lived before he got onto the Colossus um, or an, if there's any kind of insider knowledge that comes from his status or, you know, his life on Hosnian Prime. And I want to know what Hosnian Prime's reputation is in this particular era because he named dropped Coruscant, which Coruscant is a wealthy planet. Um, so I thought it was partially. Partially, I mean, I think that you can you can say that it's a wealthy well, planet yeah, just because it represents the, like the government. Yeah, the lower, but levels. like it, the lower levels are. Yeah, um, yeah, a little different. Yeah, but Tam did talk about like the mechanic school on Coruscant. The way she said it made me think that it was like super prestigious, and she was like, "You expect totally. us to believe you graduated from there when you don't know which way to turn, like the compressor or whatever, <laughs> you know." So I don't know. I, I'm I just like I can't wait to see more of his family and learn more about his background. Um, as like a like a person of means who's now in a place where he doesn't have those same means. Like he talks to Jaeger about how he was like, oh, I definitely thought I'd be getting paid more. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was great. And like half a meal. That gave me Ray flashbacks. One quarter portion. Yeah, exactly. Like he literally got a quarter portion from everyone else. He did. (laughs) Has got a quarter portion. (laughs) Is Kaz Ray's father? No. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Wow. They're like the same age. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. I mean, that's kind of – hmm. That's something definitely to consider maybe later about how Ezra kind of represents this other side of like Luke, I guess, right? And we can kind of look at those two characters together because they're the same age, born on the same day. Mm -hmm. Um, I wonder how we can look at Kaz and Ray and maybe – in the future, once we learn more, we can. Yeah. Huh. I, yeah, the, what we learned about the trophy is really cool that he earned it when his first race and his dad didn't want him to compete because his dad thought he wasn't ready. And Kaz says, I proved him wrong and that's what I have to do now. And I think that's really interesting. That gives him a character motivation for <laughs> wanting to prove people wrong who think think of him a certain way which will definitely have really cool implications later 
Oh, yeah, definitely. And to this whole thing about like Kaz's upbringing as well is the fact that he makes the comment about how he only knows how to fly ships to not fix them. Whereas all the other like even like Anakin and Ahsoka and Rey, they all are like very well versed and Han on like how to fix ships that they fly. Um, Whereas Kaz, like Kaz has his own mechanical team probably who does that. He's never actually had to do it. He just flies the ship once it's fixed. Mm-hmm. That is yeah. really cool. I mean, that's a cool, meaning it's a really interesting touch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So what did we think of the aces when we all saw them together? I really like seeing them together. Um, but again, we, we haven't really gotten to know them. I mean, we, we only saw Tora in – like that moment when she was like, yeah, I've got one on my tail too. I'll be with you in a sec <laughs> um, as they're flying around. Um, I, I liked seeing them fly around. I liked seeing all of their ships have that like moment of like leaving the station. I thought the animation was really fun. Um, I really liked the music that was happening. But there's not a whole lot more to go on with their characters right now. I thought it was really cool how the aces have this duty to protect the Colossus where mm-hmm. they – almost become for lack of a better word like the army of the Colossus when it's under attack and that's kind of like a duty that is bestowed upon you when you become an ace and it's like a almost like a requirement that if you want to continue to race if you want to continue to earn money and like earn this prestige to stay in this one place within the Colossus like you also have to protect your home um and I thought that was really you know it was really fun to see how Potentially, if Kaz ever becomes an ace, we could see that sort of responsibility thrust upon him as well in that he would feel like the Colossus was his home as well. Yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't really thought of that. I think that's a good point. Yeah, how it is it like becomes their duty mm-hmm. to not only like represent the Colossus and be like their pod racing entertainment, but to also be their guardians. Exactly. Like, like defenders. Like right now, I bet Kaz doesn't feel like the Colossus is his home. He doesn't really have that many friends. No. Like his, the only person that he has, BB-8, Yeager's looking out for him. And then he has Niku, who is really kind and honest. But I don't think they have that sort of friendship. And I think that Kaz really, like, wants to feel that sort of, like, hominess, right? And mm-hmm. it was an interesting contrast with the ace, the aces who protect the Colossus. Like, I think that Kaz would love to feel that sense of, like, belonging to the Colossus as well. Yeah, well, even the fact that he has that trophy with him, um, that, like, he's thinking of home, it reminds him of home. And I think, like, the day that, like you said, like, once that trophy comes back into play and he, like, gives it up, I bet he gives it up, like, for something for the Colossus. Yeah. Because, like, now the Colossus represents his home and the people there mean more to him than those things of his old life. Yeah, going back to how you brought up the Ray parallel, if Ray is always constantly searching for her sense of belonging – Potentially Kaz's as well because he never felt like his parents wanted him. He is looking for a place to feel like 100% himself, and I don't think he's found that yet. And mm-hmm. um, I don't think he has a sense of belonging right now in the Colossus, but he eventually will. And I think that that is something that Ray gets when she feels, you know, her. what is her sense of belonging? I think that by the end of Return- the, the Last Jedi um, – her sense of be- her place of belonging is the resistance, but maybe it's something more. You know, our theories. And <laughs> we haven't we haven't gotten to the spaghetti eating part yet of the story. Exactly, so. exactly. So, 
we're getting there. It's still like it's just a great metaphor. Wow. Um, <laughs> we're still straining the pasta. Yeah, and I think that with Kaz as well, like hopefully his sense of belonging with is within the resistance as well. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a really good parallel between the two. Like they're both looking for their belonging, and with Kaz, like he thought it was going to be this one thing. Um, like with his family or as a pilot or even as a spy. But I think that that is going to change um, as we move further into the series. Yeah, and maybe that will happen to Ray as well. It definitely will. It definitely will. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to chow down on that spaghetti. <laughs> Yum. Delicious food. <laughs> Delicious food. <laughs> <laughs> I really like that metaphor. I'm glad. We, I'm glad. I'm glad the show took that direction. Me too. This time around. <laughs> um, I just want to say because I think that this show, like this episode, really focused on Kaz. That I'm so eager to learn more about Tam. I mm-hmm. need her moment, and I need to learn more about her and like what her deal is because she has so much sass and so much character that's like bursting at the seams. And I'm ready to. And she's like so dubious. I'm so ready to hear. Like, what she has to say, really, because we haven't gotten that yet. Yeah, and she's right to be dubious, too. Exactly. I like the part where Kaz is, like, putting in the compressor wrong, and she's like, you got it? He's like, yeah, totally. She's like, well, you should be turning it, like, left to right instead of right to left, but you got it. (laughs) (laughs) Women always figure out the truth. Savage. (laughs) (laughs) Love her. (laughs) I I do. And I was listening to – Jenna Marie and her moms on the Geeky Bubble podcast. And um, she, Jonah was saying that she ships um, Tam and Kaz. And the ship name is, um, oh my God, what is it? It's because I think it's Kazam. Kazam. Yeah. Kazam. <gasps> I think I ship them just for the ship name. Right. Right. <laughs> I mean, I, I think I ship them too. <laughs> I don't have but, any set ships yet. Me neither. But I, I think that the, that name is unreal (laughs) right the name is unreal like i'd get behind it just for the name even if i didn't support the ship (laughs) exactly all right well we were going to end with talking about parting theories and i kind of already talked about my biggest one which was about there being something else hidden on the colossus um it's just a matter of what it is or who it is i think it'd be interesting if it's a who what if it's niku (laughs) okay we get it, Caitlin. <laughs> yeah, I've already talked about my theory, though. So what is your parting theory? Okay. So I know you care so little about this, but... <laughs> <laughs> so basically, with the ending at the the First Order, and you see Phasma, you know, come out of the shadows, and her voice... First off, Gwendolyn Christie did such a great job voice acting. Did you not, like, feel her, her presence yeah. when she spoke? I, felt- I was shook. Yeah, me too. (laughs) And okay, so then that got me thinking because in the last episode, we talked about how Phasma is going to be our first order like villain because she is, right? She doesn't have a lot to do in the films, but she will have a lot to do, I think, in um, the series because they can do a lot with her because Mm -hmm. she isn't Kylo Ren. She isn't Snoke. She has her own battalion. You know, she's a captain. Yes. Um, I also want to propose this other thing where I think that we all know that Kylo Ren is going to show up and we talked about that on our last episode, but wouldn't it be interesting if we saw a glimpse of the Knights of Ren um, 
And I don't think that this is going to happen if it does happen. I don't think it will happen soon. I think it might happen in the lead up to episode nine. Um, but that's kind of my wild theory is that we will see maybe one or two Knights of Ren in the same way that we saw the Inquisitors in um, Rebels. Because I think that they kind of might share like kind of a, the same function as the Inquisitors. And it would be really cool to see that kind of as a reveal going into episode nine. Yeah, I... Knights of Ren are – I'm not shy about this. They're very low on my priority list. I don't even want them in Episode 9, honestly. I would be totally okay with them in Episode – in Resistance, though. I think that's the perfect place for the Knights of Ren, honestly, now that you've said it, um, to just have them here instead of in Episode 9 because <laughs> I – they haven't been in the last two movies. They were barely mentioned in in The Last Jedi. Like, I don't want to take away time from the characters that we do know by having them in episode nine. I just, I don't want it. And they've announced so many new characters for episode nine. Like, I honestly get a little anxious about my, like, minute count with my faves in episode Me nine. Too. <laughs> Me too. But, like, it works so well. It works so well for the, the Knights of Ren to be here in Resistance. I'm totally okay with them being the big bad. Um, being part of the big bad. And then that's where we get that Kylo introduction. I can get behind that. Yeah. I think it's a good theory. I hope this theory is true. And like, then we could see there would be some sense of like uncertainty with could you, could, um, the resistance kill this night, night of Ren? Like, is that even possible? And if that night of Ren dies, like it's possible that the night of Ren dies. And then like in episode nine, we wouldn't even think of like their loss. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, they're expendable in a way. They are, because they are. Yeah, they are expendable, like, by nature. <laughs> <laughs> by the fact that they're nameless, faceless, <laughs> movieless. <laughs> I mean, they're somewhat faceless, right? Like, in that in that flashback from Ray, like, we do get a couple. Wouldn't it be cool if, like, then we could identify, like – yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm cool. kind of following. It'd be this. cool. It'd be cool. It'd be cool. I think we'd. I think we'd kind of freak out over. I that think we'd freak think out. I cool mean, I freak out over <laughs> most of those like kind of Easter eggs. So I know I would. Um, but yeah, I I'm totally okay with them being major players in Resistance. I think that'd be really cool, and a way to bring in that Force side of things. Like, how can someone like Kaz overcome a dark side user? And I want to mm-hmm. see him do that. I think that would be really cool to play with those kinds of themes. And when it's to have like someone who's not a force user overcome a dark side, or I think would be really cool. Mm-hmm. So, totally. Yeah, I'm for this theory. Great. I'm happy to hear that. Yeah, me too. See how I support your theories. <laughs> it's a really beautiful thing when you support my theories, but I don't have to support yours. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's like this great friendship we have going here. Well, with that, <laughs> I think we're gonna wrap up this episode. <laughs> I'm going to go start making my Google Doc for, like, why Niku is the First Order in four things. <laughs> be like that Darth Jar Jar um, video. Yes. I, I know I said that the Niku wasn't like Darth Jar Jar, but it kind of is like Darth Jar Jar. Yeah. And, you know, Darth Jar Jar is, like, extremely convincing. And, you know, you can make a really convincing Google Doc, too. Yeah. Just wait, guys. It's going to come at you in PowerPoint form. Oh, God. <laughs> Google slide. Google slide. <laughs> I'm going to have like a Google Hangout where I'm going to present it. There's going to be seven people at the Google Hangout. It's going to be great. Uber conference. Uber conference. <laughs> oh my gosh. Maybe a Skype sesh. 
All right. Well, I need to leave to go start prep work. Um, but <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Let us know what other food metaphors you'd like for us to like create around Star Wars because – we had a lot of fun with that this episode. Um, but if you want to find us on Twitter, uh, you can head over to at SkytalkersPod or at Clarity is Charlotte's or at Caitlin Plusher is mine. You can also find us on SkyTalkers.com. And if you want to leave us a review on iTunes, we would really appreciate it. It helps other people find our show and we like making new friends. So head on over and do that if you haven't already. Yes. And I'd like to thank our amazing patrons. Amy, Joanna, Tracy, Sarah, Susanna, Z, Cherie, Angela, Diana, Becca, Lynn, Katie, Rachel, Courtney, Brian, Megan, Amy, Kelly, Jim, Suara, BJ, Brooklyn, Lady Valkyrie, Jenny, Anthony, Danny, Lumpa, Raru, Patrick, James, Hamsa, From a Certain Point of View, The Dorky Diva Show, Megan, Stuart, Kyle, Jennifer, Kels, Chastity, Alaya, Travis, Katie, Daniela, Alyssa, Rebecca, Andy, Delaney, Angela, Ali, Natalia, Daz, Serene, Shireen, Matt, Jordan, Molly, Chell, Aaron, Rebecca, Lauren, Tom, Edith, Adam, Derek, Connie, Robbie, Kirsty, Brandon, and Chuck. Thank you guys so much for supporting us. It means the world. Yes. Thank you guys so much. And until next time, may the force be with you. May the force be with you. Sky Talkers is a member of the Star Wars Escape Pods Network. Explore more great content and get to know our sister shows at WeAreEscapePods.com and on Twitter at WeAreEscapePods. The Star Wars Escape Pods Network, promoting positivity in fandom.